and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a baby vampire so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner by Stephanie Meyer. Joining us to discuss this Twilight novella for our seventh anniversary episode is Twilight enthusiast nearing the end of her patience, Carrie. Welcome back, Carrie. Hello. <laughs> Carrie, it's, it's fitting that you are nearing the end of your patience with Twilight because we are really nearing the end of Twilight canon. Like, unless something new comes out, I think this is the absolute, like, bottom of the barrel. It certainly was that. Eh. Yeah. So this, this is our seventh anniversary. Like Renata said, we did the math in advance this time. Yeah. If you listened last time, I confidently said the wrong number. And then we had a, we went down a whole wormhole about what year it is and how long we've been doing this. And you can just go back and listen to that if you want. But this is our seventh anniversary for real. We started in 2014. It's 2021. I. Yeah. So still we're still here sometimes. Someone asked me not too long ago, like a new person who I was meeting was like, oh, like, when did you start podcasting? And I said, oh, I think we started in 2014 in like September. And they were shocked that <laughs> we were still consistently doing it, which I guess makes sense. I guess the majority of podcasts peter out and fail pretty quickly because it's a lot more work, I think, than people think. But yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, I, I am I am capable of sustaining, <laughs> being a sustaining part of something for seven years. Yeah, we did it. And I, okay, we're going to get into the twilight of it all soon, but we've been doing this for seven years and I just want to take a little moment to just be like really cheesy and just say like, okay, it's so great to do a podcast with you. It is. It is very good to do a podcast with you. I'm so glad we started this and that it gave us an excuse to stay like closer in touch when we are far apart. I'm so glad that one of the, I'm assuming contributing factors of you moving yeah. to the greater Boston area was the fact that we were friends and we were doing this podcast. No, I, I that sounds like I'm full of, of emotion, but it's allergies. <laughs> I am full of emotion, but uh. <laughs> yeah, like this is, it is great. I am, I am so happy that we're friends. Yeah. And I'm so happy that people listen to this podcast. Cause you know, we do it for ourselves. We do it for you and we love you. Yeah, I was, I have to say, like, I was genuinely a little floored. I logged into Patreon this morning, and the number of messages that we had for a, a poll that we had put out on the Patreon page, and you too could know what that is if you joined our Patreon. More details at the mm-hmm. end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, all of these people care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, even people who don't give us money care too. Yes. Uh, and you know, we we know not everyone can afford to support a Patreon right now, and we love you too if you can't. Uh, but speaking of our Patreon, I want to before we get too deep into this, uh, I'm still emotional, but also <laughs> this book, The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner, it was a novella that came out, and Stephanie Meyer announced it, it was released in um, 2010, which was the year that there was the the really big devastating earthquake in Haiti, and Stephanie Meyer announced that she would donate one dollar of of the proceeds from every copy sold, 
I said that in the worst way. For every copy of this that was sold, like she and her publisher donate $1 to the International Red Cross, largely in support of Haiti because, I mean, the Red Cross does everything, but that was kind of the prompting factor. And yes, the Red Cross can be a problematic charity and maybe isn't doing all the good that they say that they're doing and we'll post a link to that or whatever because this is not really the podcast where we want to just like throw shit at the red cross i just want to acknowledge that like yeah there's concerns about it but stephanie meyer had her heart in the right place i think and surely some of that money did something good if not all of it Uh, so the at least the press release said that from the sales of this they donated 1.5 million dollars to the red cross which is nice And as Kate mentioned earlier, we have a Patreon where some of our beloved patrons send us a little bit of money every month. And so we want to follow in Stephanie's footsteps to the scale that we can. So she donated $1.5 million. We are donating $150 from our September Patreon income to Partners in Health, which is a different nonprofit that does a lot of work in Haiti, which because time is a flat circle and in a bad way, At the time we're recording this, there has just been like another earthquake in Haiti uh, that it wasn't as bad as the 2010 one, but like still pretty bad. And also Haiti never really recovered from the last one. So anyway, Partners in Health is an organization that 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 I think and that the, you know, charity star ratings, blah, 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 think does a little bit more efficient use of their money on the ground than the Red Cross can. So we just want to mention all of that but like for and again like this podcast is kind of a stephanie meyer defense podcast and so that's nice it's nice that she did this even if maybe she could have picked a better charity yeah that's what i want to say that's what i want to say it is what you want to say and thank and thank you to our beloved patrons again for making that possible but that's where some of your money is going this month of september it's true yeah we've done so at this point we've done basically everything stephanie meyer's ever written we have so she's got to write some more shit because I don't know what we're going to do next year, which we've said in the past. And then Midnight Sun was kind of a, a miracle that we, um, you know, that we manifested through the secret. And I'm very thankful for that. See, part of it, I think, is because we I don't know if we didn't have the foresight to see that the podcast would last this long. We did. Or we just yeah. weren't thinking. <laughs> we did cover a Stephanie Meyer book at a non-anniversary time which we should have sat on that. (laughs) Multiple times. We did a chemist episode and we did that Twilight Life and Death. That was not an anniversary episode. We did that when it came out and we were like so excited. We couldn't possibly wait until September. And now it's like, you know, came out of years ago. We're fools. Was host a, um, that an anniversary? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was, we did all the Twilight books, then I believe we did the the D&D game, mm-hmm. then we did the host, then we did Midnight Sun, and now here we are scraping the bottle of the barrel. <sighs> Holy. The, very, the dregs of the barrel of Stephanie Meyer output, and it is very, it is certainly something that was scraped off the floor. This yeah. book is such a shrug. Such a shrug. Uh, if you're not familiar, this is set kind of in the middle of Eclipse. So if you haven't listened to our Eclipse episode, go back and do that. Or, you know, or read Eclipse or whatever. Or just dive in unprepared. Like, you do you. <laughs> Live your best life. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. I don't remember what happened in Eclipse. So. Yeah, I briefly was like, maybe I should go back and re-skim Eclipse. And I was like, I'm not doing that. 
I did recently watch all of the movies because the podcast Blank Check for their Patreon did commentaries on all the Twilight movies. So I have the movies relatively fresh in my mind. And nevertheless, I watched Eclipse going, wait, that's who Brie Tanner was? What? So. Right. And then I was still confused when I read this. Yeah. So Brie Tanner is a vampire. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Dive right in. I guess. I guess. I kind of thought we might have more preamble, but I think I did like a small concentrated burst of emotion. I think I'm ready to talk about Brie Tanner now. Okay. We'll have, I'm sure, more nonsense to say as we get further into it. Oh, oh, for sure. Yes. But Renata is correct. Brie Tanner is a vampire. She is, in fact, a baby vampire. She is just not in that she's a vampire who is a baby. Yeah. That would be be wild. That would be a Renesmee. Um, (laughs) No, she's not a Renesmee. She's a a newborn in the language of Twilight. She's a, she is a human girl who was 15 when she was a human and then has been a vampire for three months. So apparently, as I was reminded watching Eclipse, there's a vampire named Riley who started a newborn vampire army. Yes. And so Brie is one of the soldiers in the army and they live in a basement. That is about as much setup as I could figure out. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Eclipse, we do have secretly Victoria is behind the army of newborns, but because she knows that Edward and Alice can read minds, she is, she's keeping all these people literally and figuratively in the dark so that their minds cannot be read to know this plan that's happening. So we don't really see Victoria in the Brie Tanner book until very near the end of it. But Riley, she has like, she turned Riley and has like bewitched him with her sex magic, I think is what we're meant to understand. Yeah. Um, and she has, Riley has brought all of these teens to her to turn into vampires. None of them remember her through this process because it's very painful. And like your brain is kind of mushy when you're first a vampire because you're so obsessed with drinking blood. So they all just refer to Victoria as her because they don't know her name. They don't know anything about her. They just know that she is the one who made them all and that Riley is their kind of like their boss. Mm hmm. And he has told them all sorts of lies or half-truths about vampires, including the fact that sunlight will... I hear you, Duarte. I know you have a lot to say about this. Duarte's ready. Gotta wait till your time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He has told them that they, they will not... That they will burst into flames if they go out in the sun so that they need to stay inside and this is how divorced i was from twilight when i first started reading this like this is how little i think about twilight when it's not right in front of me i was like yeah that tracks and then immediately almost immediately i was like oh wait no (laughs) famously it does not (laughs) yes that's a lie (laughs) well i will say i kept I mean, I had, like I said, recently been watching these films, and it also took me a while to be like, wait, why do they think they can't go outside? And it was somewhat of a plot twist when I realized that um, they've been lied to to make them stay in the basement. And Mm -hmm. I was just, this whole thing, to me, like, you know, the thing about the newborn vampires is kind of important in Twilight, because... Bella's whole reason for delaying getting turned 
or Edward's reason for delaying turning her to vampire is that like, you'll just like lose your mind and you may not sort of be aware and in control of yourself for years. And then you actually get to Brie Tanner's narration and it's just kind of normal, like blah, blah, blah. I'm a teen. I'm out here. We have to hunt humans. And then every once in a while, she's like, oh, and then I was overcome by bloodlust and thirst. Just factually stated. It's not the most inspired way to do this point of view, I don't think. I think two major problems are are present with this book, which is it's a little too in Medea Ray. Like, I think you could have backed it up a little bit. Like, she's... I think you could have given us like one day old Brie Tanner. And I think we would have had a little bit more of that, but instead we're just, we're dropped in explicitly when she's three months old and get occasional references to earlier vampire memories. But, and, and I think if you ask Stephanie, especially based on kind of what we know about her, like wanting to write like thrillers and stuff, I think she'd be like, yeah, it's like a mystery and like you have to put it together like, why does she think she can't go on the side? Like, you know what I mean? I think she'd be like, yeah, I did that on purpose. And like, I mean, she did do it on purpose, <laughs> but it's just sort of like clunky. Yeah. And then the other issue I, I want to bring up is that I think Brie is a lot like Bella and that she has like, she also has not like other girls syndrome, which I think Stephanie Meyer herself perhaps has a little bit of. And so Brie is like, I just like to be quiet and read and like I'm a good girl and I'm not like these other junkies and this book is like pretty casually dismissive uh, like part of it you're like so Riley and Victoria are like oh we're only taking like the dregs of society like the people nobody will miss and like yeah that's like a, a cruel statement from these cruel people but then you kind of also see it from Brie who is our POV character that like Oh, yeah, like addicts and sex workers are like garbage people. And I'm not like that. I'm just like, you know, I was just a a nice girl who had an abusive parent. So I ran away and was, you know, homeless, but not a sex worker. And I just like to read books and be quiet. And it's too bad that all this happened to me. I think there is a point where she's with one of the boys, um, which is Diego, which, by the way, I kept picturing Diego from Umbrella Academy, which automatically <laughs> made this at least 5% more entertaining because he's a weirdo. This Diego is kind of boring. Yeah. But at some point, he basically is like, well, you're he basically tells her she's not like the other junkies and like he can tell or whatever. Um, yeah. And then she kind of, she says, well, I might've gotten there if I'd been homeless longer. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the closest the story gets to having any kind of empathy with the other characters, but you know, it just doesn't kind of go anywhere from there. Brie also doesn't for being just like a mellow girl who likes to read. She doesn't seem to have any like moral problems with the fact that she's murdering people. No. So we've got Brie, we've got Riley, who's making all of these vampires, and there is a hierarchy to the vampires that he has created. He is in charge, and then there is a guy named Raul, who is, like, very violent and has, like, his own little mini-gang within their vampire gang. There is Diego, who we just mentioned, who's, like, Riley's second-in-command, but who seems, like, pretty chill and not, like violent for the sake of violence and that is diego is one of the people who brie is out feeding with at the beginning of the novella it's him and then a two two like flunky vampires who are making a lot of noise and 
doing like really elaborate kills and like staging a car crash so that they can eat the victims when Riley had very specifically said like keep a low profile. So Bree's very annoyed at this and so is Diego. So Diego goes off to like feed far away from them and Bree goes with him. And over the course of this like, you know, hour that they spend together eating humans, Mm -hmm. She, like, feels inexplicably drawn to him, and he's not like the others the way that she thought he was. Mm -hmm. The two of them, then, after they feed on a bunch of people, they circle back around to the destruction wrought by the two dumb vampires and clean up the mess so that looks like a car crash and not like, you know, a massacre, which they should have done for themselves. But, you know, the two of them would rather not be caught than ignore these guys' messes. And then we get our first real look into how not like other girls Brie is when she they have time left before sunrise. And Brie's like, well, I do need more books. So they break into a bookstore and we learn that she loves reading and Diego loves music. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here we get the implication that she's just been reading her way alphabetically through all the books in the bookstore. And she's been a vampire for three months and she's already at H. And I just, I don't think the math checks out there. I don't think so either. Maybe it's a very small bookstore. I had several issues with this, which is that one it seemed I thought oh it's gonna establish she has super reading speed due to being a vampire and just that is never addressed and then two it's like the thing throughout I think all of Stephanie Meyer's work is that the stuff that's just like a little bit askew that's like this is how human behavior works right Mm -hmm. Um, and in this case it's just the fact that she has she just is such a good reader that she will read literally anything in alphabetical order. And I'm just like, nobody, I'm like, I guess when I was a small child and had no options, I read like through the children's encyclopedia. I read all the mm-hmm. articles, but again, that was, I was like seven, you know, I couldn't take anything I wanted out of a bookstore. So it's just kind of like one of those things you think is going to have an explanation. And it's just like, no, Stephanie Meyer just has weird ideas about what is normal. Continue. I think also part of what it is, is she specifically, she's like, I'm at H's, so I'm at Hale. And she Uh, just says Hale, but like, we know that that's, we the reader know it's a shout out to Shannon Hale, who's another like Utah Mormon author who Stephanie Meyer is friends with. I was just like, you just made me think of of Rosalie and Jessica. Like, did they write books? Are they named after Shannon Hale? I, I don't never know. put that together. That's now. the first time I've ever thought of that. I did figure that that was a shout out to Shannon Hale in the bookstore, but now, now I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, I don't know when they met. They maybe only met after Stephanie was like sort of famous, but Shannon Hale definitely is thanked in the thank yous of this book. So anyway, that's how Brie is. Yes. Um. So she and. Diego sit with their new, I guess, acquisitions. They're not purchases. And they start to talk and then realize, you know, get to know each other a little bit. And, you know, she realizes that actually maybe he's like kind of cool. And then they realize that sunrise is very quickly approaching. So they need to get back to the house where they're all, all the vampires live, except when they get there, 
the house has been burned down and Bree's in a panic because she's like, Oh my God, like the sun's rising. What are we going to do? We're going to die. And Diego's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like I have a cave that we can go to and it's like dark. And I go there sometimes just to like hang out and get away from like all the knuckleheads in this house. So we can go there. It's like very small, but we can chill there for the day. And she's like, okay, okay. And they go to this cave uh, and they have to go like underwater to get to it. But the cave itself is above water. And while they're sitting there talking and falling instantly in love the way that I guess you do when you're a vampire, uh, Diego is like, actually, you know what? I've been out in the shade before. And I, I think that maybe the sun isn't as dangerous as Riley wants us to think it is. And Brie is like horrified by this thought she's like no 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 like we're gonna burn up if we get in the sun he's like i don't think that's true uh so he starts poking through the roof of part of the cave to let some sunlight in and he does and she like jumps forward to push him out of the way like going through the sunlight as she does and is in a panic that she's on fire and then realizes that she's actually not in any pain and then they have their own private discovery of how dazzling it actually is to be a vampire in the sunlight. And they describe themselves as walking disco balls, which is incredible and perhaps the only good part of this book. Yeah. They like look at themselves and each other and like Bree's still like a little gun shy, but like eventually is like, oh no, like this is fine. So they decide together like, okay. And she thinks like, well, why would Riley tell us this if... It's not like, why would he tell us that we would die in the sunlight if it's not true? And Diego's like, well, maybe he didn't know. Like, maybe he he just didn't realize that, like, this is this is true. Like, you know, because obviously, like, it's in all the old stories, vampires can go out in sunlight. So maybe that's where he got it from. He didn't know that we, we can. So we should tell him. And Bree's very gun-shy about this plan. She is like, I just used the word gun-shy twice in, like, three <laughs> sentences. Hey, Kate, it's more like she's sunshy. Sunshy. Yeah, she's she's very hesitant. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know that I trust Riley. And Diego's like, no, no, no. Like, he's cool. He's a good guy. And it's like, Diego, you have a terrible sense in people. I have I have a lot of questions about how Brie really is. If you're like, oh, no, Riley is also cool. These are my two main cool people, Brie and Riley. (laughs) But they track down the where the other vampires are during the day, and then they wait until nightfall, and then show up and say, like, oh, yeah, like, we hid in the cave all day. And also, they have decided at this point that they're BFFs now, that they have a secret BFF club, where it's just the two of them. And but also, like, it's very clear each of them, like, also secretly has romantic feelings for the other. Although this is another case, by the way, of Stephanie Meyer being like, teehee, I'm a little problematic, where Diego, they talk about like their ages, and Diego's like over 18, and she's 15, but they're like, but we're vampires now, so it doesn't matter, which is like, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, She's still 15. Yeah. Anyway, it's, but I just wanted to mention that. That but that's also, also an aspect here. It doesn't matter because it never goes further than Diego giving her a brief kiss, the first, a very, very brief kiss when they first get to the house before they have to pretend that they don't know each other to fit with like this new plan that they're going to have of how they let Riley know. Because Diego's like, yeah, like, we'll let Riley know you can go out in the sun, but we'll, we'll not present it as a united front. Like, I'll present it to him as his second in command because he trusts me. And then in case he does 
react badly, like you'll be safe. And he won't know that we're like very close now. Yeah. Cause the vibes of the vampire cult of the newborns is very bad and dangerous for, you know, Breeze again, not like the other girls, not like the other vampires, but she talks about how they're always territorial and like always fighting and they're constantly killing each other. And that's like, they're not surprised that the house is burned down because they're like, Oh, they were just like playing too rough and blew up the house or something. Anyway. So, like, she thinks if she's seen being, like, allied with Diego people, like, she's getting too powerful, like, let's kill her. And her survival strategy around the house is that there's this vampire in the in the coven called Freaky Fred, who is just, like, really gives off really disgusting vibes, basically, and, like, no one can stand to look at him or be near him. And so Brie will force herself to sit, like, as close to him as she can stand, because then no one will get near her either, because they don't want to get near Freaky Fred. Yeah, it's it's basically her whole, her whole strategy to not be killed by these rowdy boys. And it, it really just kind of goes to show that Meyer is like, what's a plot? I need a plot. There are two different boys. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. because spoiler: when Bree gets around Fred's power, he turns out to be hot. Yeah, of course he is. And it's it's just it's so weird. There's this whole weird thing where it's like because they're rowdy boys, they rip each other's limbs off all the time, and then they have to get reattached. And it's it is it is a part of this book. Nothing about this book made me really say like, God, I wish I knew more about this. Except this, like, please. Please explain this to me. <laughs> well, she she briefly in passing mentions like someone ripped my arm off and it was like a while before Riley taught me that I can use vampire venom to reattach it. So I was just sort of imagining like like glue, like basically like she just kind of like licked her finger and then stuck her arm back on. <laughs> I need I need to know so much more about this entire concept. It, it's so odd that it never comes up in the other books either. You know, like that's, that seems like just the thing that she would do a random deep dive on, but no. <laughs> so weird. But yeah, so they, they they go back to the house and there's a brief like scuffle for power because Riley's not around and Raul like tries to threaten Diego and like it looks like there's going to be a big fight, but then Fred puts off his stinkrays and everyone like freaks out and runs away or passes out and... <laughs> Everything is kind of diffused for the moment, but um, Riley eventually shows up again. But before Diego can tell him what's going on, he's like, oh, like, I need to go out tonight or whatever. So they decide to follow him, Diego and Bree, at a distance. And they decide that they'll do it so that Diego will follow on the ground so that if Riley smells him, he has an excuse to talk to him because he's a second in command and Brie will follow from the tree. So her trail won't be as obvious. And if something does go wrong, she won't be, no one will notice her and she won't be implicated in it. It's a really unnecessarily complicated plan that they spend way too long of this very short book discussing. Yes. But they do, they do follow Riley and they do find that he's meeting with Victoria. And that's where we get like these weird secondhand, like, ah, yes, we could hear them making out on Ew. the ground. Ew. <laughs> yeah. And there's just... a whole thing of like, I'd never heard a vampire kiss before. And it sounds weird. Cause our lips are so hard. And I was like, <laughs> is I'm sorry. Are you into this Stephanie? Like what? 
It was very, it was very, like, very strange. Also, does that mean none of the vampires smushed together in this basement are making out? I guess. No, they're too too mad. Too thirsty, too mad, too dumb. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they, they like, listen to the make out for a while. (laughs) And then uh, overhear this whole plan that Victoria is setting up with Riley. She asks like how many vampires he's made and you know, if he thinks they're ready and can he make some more? And like, he makes like vague allusions to the fact that he's like lying to them about things without explicitly saying what it is. And despite the fact that they, the two of them, Diego and Brie are smarter than all the other vampires and very special in their own way. They are too stupid to put together when Riley's like, oh, yeah, like, I haven't told them any of the things that you told me not to tell them. And it never occurs to them that the fact that they now know things that he says are lies, it could be on purpose. Sigh. Just boys being boys. Yeah. Bree heads back and Diego's like, all right, oh, I'm going to go talk to him. You head back and like, I'll see you when we get back later. Except when Riley comes back, it is just Riley and there is no Diego. And Riley's like, okay, like in like five days, because Victoria gives him a week to get his shit together. So he's like, okay, well, in like five days, we're going to go after this coven of yellow-eyed vampires that need to be disposed of because they're going to try and take the city over. But it's our city and the blood should be ours. So we have to go after them. So we have to start training to fight. And he makes all the different like warring gang factions within his little gang practice fighting on each other, but tells he pulls Bree to the side and says like, Oh, like just so you know, like Diego told me that you guys are really close and you have like a secret BFF club together. And that I sent him early. I sent him ahead to scout So he's not here right now, but like, I just wanted you to know that you can trust me because he told me about your club. Mm -hmm. And he's totally not dead. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's totally fine. And I need you because you're friends with Fred. I need you to tell Fred that he should like work for me, essentially. He should use his power for my personal good. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then like immediately doesn't do that. <laughs> I mean, she she does talk to Fred more. And Fred, I think, was one of the other more interesting characters who, you know what? Maybe 2022 we get a Fred book, actually. Cause- yeah. Fred Fred was the character I liked the most in this, by far. Yeah. Spoiler, Fred survives, we think. So, yeah, there's definitely the chance for Twilight Fred. Yeah, But she, like, she talks to Fred, but she doesn't, like, she doesn't make Riley's case to him. She's just basically like, hey, like, you're, you're actually kind of cool. And they kind of, like, chat between the two of them and hang out as they're preparing for this assault on the yellow-eyed vampire coven. But and you know ba- how, you know how you can trust Fred? Because he reads books. He does. He reads books. So we know that he's not as bad as all the other vampires. And also, of course, he's very hot. Yeah, he's very hot, and, like, Brie shares her books with him, and they kind of, like, bond over that. And we we sort of learn through Brie's eyes that Fred can control the extent of his repulsive power, which I don't think actually involves, like, a bad smell. It's just, no. like, bad vibes. Yeah. 
so anyway, so he kind of like will relax his bad vibes to let her in so she's not as affected anymore, but it still like keeps other people away. Yeah, so they they have to train and then they kill an entire ferry worth of people to prepare themselves to go after the Cullens. And then they, right before they're leaving to like finally attack the Cullens, Fred's like, all right, well, peace, I'm leaving. Like, I'm, this is stupid. I don't trust Riley. I'm going away because this is stupid. And because yeah, I've, I've learned how to strengthen my power so much that Riley completely forgets I even exist. Like he can't see me or like even think about me. So bye. But he says like, and I can control this radius to include you. Like you want to come? And she's like, yeah, like in theory, yes. But like, I have to go get Diego first. And he's like, okay, well, if you vouch for Diego, like I'll, I'll trust him too. Like he does seem pretty cool. So why don't you go get him and meet me at this place and I'll wait there for a day. And if you don't show up, I'm going to assume you're dead. (laughs) So basically the reason you need the two boys in this story is that that's the only thing that gives her any motivation. She's going one direction because of Diego and she's torn the other direction because of Fred. And that's like kind of the extent of what it, and like, I feel like, once again, Stephanie Meyer like read some things in a writing class or a manual or something. It like gets like a a little sliver of it. Um, But it's just like, yeah, give your characters motivation, but you know, doesn't get past that. So that's, you know, where, you know, Stephanie Meyer learned this at BYU from the guy who wrote the courtship of princess Leia. I remember this. I remember that episode. Um, That explains a lot. Can we go back to the fairy for a minute? Sure. Because it's like uh, Riley just tells them we've trained and we've trained and for their reward, he takes them out swimming. And then they, they're like, I'm like, how are they going to hunt on the water? And it turns out there's a ferry boat and they just go and like attack the ferry boat. And it's like what you can imagine being like the cool action set piece of the story. There's not really any point to it, but I was like, okay, act, at least something is happening here. And again, Brie is just like, and I went and I ate some people. Ba, ba, ba. She's like, and I, and it was nice because they didn't have drugs on their blood because these weren't like junkies. They were just like <laughs> nice fairy people. <laughs> so, right. So even if you're like, okay, well, the reason Brie isn't conflicted at all is because she's decided that the people that they're killing are bad and suck, you know, assuming all the ways that that's problematic. But it's like, no, she's like, it's fun to kill nice people. So it just, it doesn't really... It's very, it's just very odd the way that Meyer wants to insist that, like, I, I think she understands herself as writing the writing a villain point of view, but it's like she doesn't really let Brie be villainous, so it's just kind of this vacuum of motivation in her head that is filled up with I like reading and there's a boy and another boy. Yeah, so there she's she's rushing into battle to you know, go after the Cullens, like Riley and Victoria have been training them too. And during this, like, it becomes clear that Diego is dead, that Riley killed Diego. Because he abandons the fight to go, like, quote, like, protect Victoria or something. And she's like, well, what about Diego? And, like, he's like, oh, well, he's over there. And she goes there and there's no Diego and she finally realizes that Riley killed him and that he has been dead for a long time and is very, very mad about it and is at some point during this like very big confusing fight with lots of like running back and forth between different places 
is captured by the Collins and like immediately surrenders and is like, don't kill me, please. Like, I'll do whatever you want. Uh, and Carlisle's like, okay, like, let's not kill her. And I guess this happened in Eclipse. I don't know. I don't remember. But I was just, <laughs> just going to say, yeah, this is where we know Brie from, from Eclipse. is like, she's like the last vampire standing and she surrender. Like this, this that we see from Brie's point of view is an eclipse. Yeah. But, yeah. But Bella's not in that scene with Carlisle, right? So so that part is not actually in Eclipse because Eclipse is Bella's point of view. So it would just and maybe be, it's only in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It would just be like Carlisle shows up and is like, oh by the way, and Bella's like, okay, you know, I've got other things to worry about. Reading Midnight Sun made me realize that the movies have overwritten the books in my memory. Like, there were things where I was like, I can't believe this isn't in Midnight Sun, like the salad part. Oh, right. And I was like, oh, that's only in the movie, I guess. That's uh-huh. why. Yeah. So she she surrenders to Carlisle, and Carlisle's like, okay, cool. And Jasper's like, no, we should kill her anyway. And Carlisle's like, no, because she showed remorse by surrendering so that we can, you know, can help her. And then the Volturi show up, and they're like, oh, like this vampire is an abomination. You need to kill her. And Carlisle's like, no, she surrendered. And they're like, mm, too bad. There are laws. And she, the one like plot notable thing that she does is because she knows that one of the Cullens can read minds. She starts like projecting out into the world, like thinking very hard about like how this whole, like Victoria's whole plot and how it was created and about like seeing, oh, I can't fucking believe that I forgot to mention this. So while they're spying on Riley and Victoria, the Volturi show up mm-hmm. and they like have a meeting with the Volturi where the Volturi are like, oh, so are you ready to attack the Collins? <laughs> oh, and then Bree is like, oh, there's two different groups of people. And Bree is also, despite having been this like homeless person living in Seattle is like, the Volturi seem to be like vampire cops. I can't believe cops are corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the thing that she seems the thing that she seems to be angriest about oh. at the end of the book is the Volturi corruption because cops should be on the good side and she wants to expose these dirty vampire cops. And it's just like <laughs> such a such a swerve, I guess. Yeah, so she she's basically like projecting out into the world, thinking very hard. Like the Volturi are behind us; they worked with Victoria. Like, here's all the things that I saw and remember. Like, in an attempt to like make make right her fucking whatever. No moral qualms about murdering people, no. but she somehow carries over this very strong ethical sense of what cops should be like. <laughs> Well, I mean, she does have that in common with cops. Ah. <sighs> but, you know, it's not like she's even like, she was a, like this. If you make this like maybe an older character who was a cop, you've at least got something. Anyway, then she dies. <laughs> then she dies. <laughs> yeah, then it's it's fade to black. Uh, yeah, so she dies and that's the end of the book. Yeah. And I, and I and I think Stephanie Meyer writing this was like, yeah, fucking tragic, you know, hitting submit on this manuscript and t- tears are going <laughs> to fall. Like, tears, tears, tears for Brie Tanner. And I was just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> this, was, this was a thing that happened. Um, I hope some of the money went to a good cause. Yeah. 
and and I guess charitably part of it is reading it, you're like, well, you know, Bree's going to die again. So like, maybe don't get too attached. But I think even if you are open to it, there's just like, there's just like not a lot there. I just, I want to know so much more about Fred. What's Fred? How's Fred doing? <laughs> How is Fred doing, Stephanie? Everyone, let's start a fan campaign. To, like a gentle, polite one, not like the one where Midnight Sun was previously hacked and it made Stephanie like lose her mind. Just like a polite letter campaign. Dear Stephanie Meyer, how's Fred? Stephanie Please Meyer, where's the Fred book? Do a lot of Fred yeah. fan casts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's see if we can get this going. Hashtag where's Fred? <laughs> At Stephanie Meyer. I don't think she's even on Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll put it on our vision boards and that'll take yes. care of it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I honestly do feel like she's going to fart out something in the next year. So God, I hope so. Our vision board should be you know, for it to be something at least weird. Yeah. What's she been up to besides like her filmmaking company or whatever, but like, she's not personally making the movies. What's she doing? Well, let's do some dramatic readings. Sounds good. I'm going to start us off with just from very near the beginning where we have Brie describing a little bit about her life. Half hidden around the edge of a purple black alley, a man was cussing at a woman and slapping her while another woman watched silently. From their clothes, I guessed that it was a pimp and two of his employees. This was what Riley had told us to do. Hunt the dregs. Take the humans that no one was going to miss, the ones who weren't headed home to a waiting family, the ones who wouldn't be reported missing. It was the same way he chose us. Meals and gods, both coming from the dregs. Unlike some of the others, I still did what Riley told me to do. Not because I liked him. That feeling was long gone. It was because what he told us sounded right. How did it make sense to call attention to the fact that a bunch of new vampires were claiming Seattle as their hunting ground? How was that going to help us? I didn't even believe in vampires before I was one. So if the rest of the world didn't believe in vampires, then the rest of the vampires must be hunting smart, the way Riley said to do it. They probably had a good reason. And like Diego had said, hunting smart just took a little brains and patience. Of course, we all slipped up a lot, and Riley would read the papers and groan and yell at us and break stuff, like Raul's favorite video game system. Then Raul would get mad and take somebody else apart and burn him up. Then Riley would be pissed off, and he'd do another search to confiscate all the lighters and matches. A few rounds of this, and then Riley would bring home another handful of vampirized dregs kids to replace the ones he'd lost. It was an endless cycle. And I mostly wanted to read that just for the mention of Raul's favorite video game system, which I imagine he purchased by going to Bella's favorite search engine and searching for video game system. <laughs> like That's a verbal tick that I love from Stephanie Meyer. No product placement in these <laughs> right. They are they are too pure. And also, I just when you're reading that, it reminded me that the Dregs is the name of the gang in the Six of Crows books. Yes, by Lee Bardugo. And like once again, I'm like a more interesting crossover than what we have actually going on here. Oh, extremely. Yeah. Yes. My favorite crime teenagers. <laughs> no question. All right, and then the next dramatic reading is from when Brie and Diego are having some cave time, and Kate will be Brie, and I'm going to be Diego. 
The second his fingers entered the beam, Kate, the cave was filled with a million brilliant rainbow reflections. It was as bright as noon in a glass room, light everywhere. I flinched and then shuddered. There was sunlight all over me. Unreal. He put the rest of his hand into the beam and the cave somehow got even brighter. He rolled his hand over to look at the back, then turned it palm up again. The reflections danced like he was spinning a prism. There was no smell of burning, and he clearly wasn't in pain. I looked closely at his hand, and it seemed like there were a million tiny mirrors on the surface, too small to distinguish separately, all shining back the light with double the intensity of a regular mirror. Come here, Bree. You have to try this. I couldn't think of a reason to refuse, and I was curious, but I was also still reluctant as I slid to his side. No burn? None. Light doesn't burn us. It just reflects off of us. I guess that's kind of an understatement. Slow as a human, I reluctantly stretched my fingers into the light. Immediately, reflections blazed away from my skin, making the room so bright the day outside would look dark in comparison. They weren't exactly reflections, though, because the light was bent and colored, more like crystal. I stuck my whole hand in, and the room got brighter. Do you think Riley knows? Maybe. Maybe not. Why wouldn't he tell us if he did? What would be the point? So we're walking disco balls. I can see where the stories come from. Imagine if you saw this when you were human. Wouldn't you think that guy over there just burst into flames? If he didn't hang around to chat, maybe. This is incredible. With one finger, he traced a line across my glowing palm. Then he jumped to his feet right under the sunbeam, and the room went crazy with light. So beautiful. She wants to take a ride in his disco stick. (laughs) You know... (laughs) I have to say, I guess Stephanie Meyer knows what her readers want and what her readers (laughs) apparently want is a reveal of, but then again, it's like slightly off skew from normal. Oh yes. If you saw a disco ball, you would definitely think a person caught on fire. (laughs) What? I don't know, but I I do have to disagree on one thing. What readers want is more Fred. Where's Fred? (laughs) Where's Fred? Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Fred's not in the last dramatic reading, so why are we even doing it, I guess? But Carrie's going to do it anyway. Okay, um, two things just before I start. My throat's been bugging me a little bit as we're talking, so I'm going to try to take this slowly. And also, Hadassah showed up, so she might um, chime in, but I don't think that's a problem. More cat opinions. We love them. Okay. Four figures were crossing the open field to the house. They had entered the clearing from the west, the point farthest from where we hid. They all wore long, dark cloaks and steep hoods, so at first I thought they were people. Weird people, but just humans all the same, because none of the vampires I knew had matching goth clothes. None moved in a way that was so smooth and controlled and dot 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 elegant. But then I realized that none of the humans I'd ever seen could move that way either, and what's more, they couldn't do it so quietly. The dark cloaks skimmed across the long grass in absolute silence. So either these were vampires or they were something else supernatural. Ghosts, maybe. But if they were vampires, they were vampires I didn't know. And that meant they might very well be these enemies she was talking about. If so, we should get the hell out of Dodge right now, because we didn't have 20 other vampires on our side at the moment. 
I almost took off then, but I was too afraid to draw the attention of the cloaked figures. So I watched them move smoothly forward, noticing other things about them. How they stayed in a perfect diamond formation that never was the slightest bit out of line no matter how the terrain changed under their feet. How the one at the point of the diamond was much smaller than the others, and its cloak was darker too. How they didn't seem to be tracking their way in, not trying to follow the path of any scent. They simply knew their way. Maybe they were invited. They moved directly toward the house, and I felt like it might be safe to breathe again. When they started silently up the steps toward the front door, they weren't coming straight for Diego and me at least. When they were out of sight, we could disappear into the sound of the next breeze through the trees, and they would never know we'd been there. I looked at Diego and twitched my head slightly toward the way we'd come. He narrowed his eyes and held up one finger. Oh, great. He wanted to stay. I rolled my eyes at him, though I was so afraid. I was surprised I was capable of sarcasm. That's what happened. They're just spying from outside. Bree again, her brain draws weird conclusions. She They can't be vampires because they look like goths. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? There's no goths in your vampire basement? What is happening? And then just sh- clearly she doesn't know them even though they're wearing cloaks. So she can't tell their gender or anything like that. It's just, it's, it, you know, it's a moment. Yeah. Well, that's this book. Pretty much. Now is the time when we move to Reader's Advisory where we suggest stuff to read instead of or in addition to Brie Tanner. We have done several rounds of Twilight Reader's Advisory in general. So if you're looking for more read-alikes, I generally would suggest going back to look at lists from our previous episode episodes, which are all up at worstbestsellers.com and tagged Twilight. Yeah. I don't I don't particularly have anything new to say. Yeah. I was trying to come up with are there any like side stories from well known series that are any good and didn't really have a good answer. So I have two thoughts on that. One of which is those little side stories, especially when they're like Kindle exclusives are the bane of my existence as a librarian because we get people who come in and they're like, I have the full list of the complete works of Charlene Harris and you have everything (laughs) except this one book. And I'm like, Oh, that's actually not a book. It's a short story and it's only on Kindle. And they're like, well, why don't you have it? And I'm like, well, because it's a short story and it's only on Kindle and like, it's only for sale from Amazon. And if you really want it, it's like 99 cents, but like, it's literally not available to the library in any way. And they're like, but online it says it's one of her books. I'm like, I know, but it's not (laughs) like, anyway, so I have that interaction pretty regularly. And that gives me a grudge against the whole concept. Although I will say again, props to Stephanie Meyer. This is an actual physical book that when you purchased it from the first edition did give a dollar to Red Cross. So snap, snap, snaps. You can get this from a library and that's nice, I guess. Another one that I think is good is the Rick Riordan of Percy Jackson and the Kane Chronicles. He wrote some little short stories that are like every fan's dream where it's like a little crossover where it's like, what if Percy Jackson met the Kane siblings? And they're just little short stories and they are available to libraries from Overdrive and they were collected in some kind of like print volume eventually. So just like, all around Rick Riordan, as usual, doing exactly the correct thing. Love that for him. I appreciate him so much. Mm-hmm. Carrie, do you want to talk about the Opal book or no? Oh yeah, I did. I I was looking for a few things. Um, 
the Raven Cycle series has a it has a little side story that goes at the end of the series, which is I think is a good place to do that. And that's called Opal. And I think it may be a Kindle exclusive, but it's also in the back of the US paperback of the Raven King. And it kind of it's an interesting, like it works more as a transition to the sequel series as well. And then yeah, so that was pretty much it. And then Sean and McGuire's Wayward Children series is pretty much all novellas, um, mm-hmm. which are like half of them are ensemble and then half of them are side stories. So if you're interested in somebody who executes these concepts in an interesting way and not just a like crap, my publisher said I had to have something extra to put in this edition way and what whatever the idea was with, with Brie Tanner. I actually had a copy of Brie Tanner that I got from a little free library, which seems like the platonic ideal of where this should be. Mm-hmm. But I got rid of it before I realized we were going to record this before I ever read it. And it, I probably went back to a little free library, which again is probably where this should live. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have those up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. Um, also, I'm sure that in the past I have recommended the Wayward Children series by Sean McGuire because I love it and it's better than Twilight. I'll oh yeah got no got no problem saying that so if you haven't read those strong strong cosign strong recommend and again they'll all be up at worstbestsellers.com and you can also see our reader's advisory from previous twilight episodes if you're looking for more vampire books yes all right so now something a little special uh in years past we have played a twilight or a worst bestsellers drinking game that we created about the show that we played while recording some of our Twilight episodes, which we're not doing now because for scheduling reasons, we're doing this early in the morning on a Sunday. And which I just didn't think Stephanie would approve of that, nor would my adult metabolism. Yeah. And I just was last year for Midnight Sun, I was able to just schedule a day where I knew I was not going to do anything else and do some day drinking. And that was, I built it in my plan. I was not able to do that today. I have other obligations. But good news. I have another game for us. And this game is unhinged. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There exists a Okay, actually, two things exist. There's a Twilight colon Eclipse board game, and then a Twilight colon Eclipse card game. And friend of the show, Meredith Goldstein and I, and another friend of ours, a friend of Meredith's who's now a friend of mine. Anyway, the point is, I didn't know this third person particularly well, and Meredith was like, do you want to come over and play vampire games? And I was like, yes, obviously. And... I brought my Eclipse card game, which I had never played before. Someone gave it to me as a gift like years ago, but I never had anyone around who would play Eclipse card game with me. So like, I had never even opened it. It was still sealed. And then uh, Meredith had the Eclipse board game. And by the way, and Kate was in New Jersey, which is why she wasn't here. Just to be clear, I don't want this to be like a story that I'm leaving Kate out of. Like it's she was fine. out of. Oh, well, I guess the listeners are probably yeah. like, oh, are Kate and we're not a feud in? <laughs> that's, that's specifically why I mentioned it. Like I knew that you knew that you were in New Jersey. Okay, do you guys want to start a Rock and Vin Diesel um, sort of news cycle about how you don't really like to be um, on mic at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm starting my own um, a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff series with Duarte. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I, that's all. I just wanted to explain to the listeners that that's why Kate was not there. And otherwise it doesn't matter. But anyway, so we're playing this Eclipse board game where you like go around. It's a very convoluted game and it's mostly trivia 
But then there were these like friendship challenges occasionally that we would get. And they were so weird, especially A, to be playing as adults and then B, to be playing with someone that I didn't know particularly well who was the third person at this event, who I know I now know much better through the power of the Twilight Friendship game. Uh, so in that <laughs> sense, it was it was nice. But it's just a weird game, and it's just, like, very clearly aimed at, like, teenage BFFs to play, which is great, and I love that for them. And the problem truly is with us as adults trying to play this game, like, honestly. Um, but so we played it, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, that was actually pretty fun. Let me open this Eclipse card game now and see what it is and the eclipse card game is just the friendship challenge cards from the board game without the board and without the rest of the game as like this is genius marketing like you made one game and you sold it twice (laughs) (laughs) and so um in that spirit we're not gonna obviously play the whole board game because we're on a podcast but i was just gonna throw out some of these friendship challenges just a so that everyone can hear how fucking weird they are and uh, B, so that we can we can grow as friends. <laughs> and I, so like with the ga- with the board game, it's like you answer it and you move forward. And I actually didn't read the rules. I'm not even sure how this is supposed to work as a card game, or like how you're supposed to keep score. Because there are like, okay, well, okay. Here's what I'll do: is I'll say we'll each have a turn, and because I'm the one who physically has the cards, I'll like draw for you. And you're also supposed to, like, anonymously write your answers on scrap paper and, um, like, turn them in. So I say we'll put our answers in the chat and just kind of go in honor system because we're not, like, going to cheat at this because it's just for fun and we're adults. So in our little chat here, we can each, because they're all things like name the player who's most likely to. So in the chat, we can just put who we think and then we'll go from there. So I'll go first just, and I think once I start reading the, the card itself it'll become more clear like what kind of game this is okay so and each of these cards has like a still from the eclipse movie and then a title of the card and then a question so this challenge card has a picture of edward and it's entitled just close the window and the friendship challenge is edward manages to stay out of bella's doghouse mostly all players secretly vote which player is best at getting out of trouble If you voted in the majority, Edward is out of trouble and you complete the challenge. So just in the chat, type which player you think is most likely to get out of trouble. And if I vote in the majority, I'll get a point. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that was... (laughs) I didn't look. I was looking down at the card until I typed my answer. We are unanimously agreed that it is me. (laughs) I don't know why I have that sense, and yet I do. I mean, clearly we all have it. (laughs) Yes, same. I wasn't sure. I don't know why I think it's me, but I do think it's me. Okay, so that's a point for me. So next, I'll... This Kate... This Kate. This Kate is for card, and this card is for Kate. And so if Kate gets the majority, she'll get the point. Oh, this is Bree's card, and it has a picture of Bree from the movie, and the card is just entitled Bree. The text of the card says... Bree is doomed by Riley and the Volturi. Would you be as unlucky? All players secretly vote which player is the unluckiest. Uh, this feels kind of mean. I mean, I don't necessarily think. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so Kate picked me, and Carrie and I both said Kate. So Kate does not get a point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's mean. I Yeah. 
I, I want to explain this, which is I think that Kate um, it does a good job of entertainingly te- telling stories about things that would be upsetting for other people. So that is like it's like a Parker Luck vibe, you know. It's like the mm-hmm. like we're we're rooting for Kate as she deals with 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 trials, and Renata's stories tend to be more like somebody came to me at the library and wanted me to Google a thing for them. <laughs> Which is lucky. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it's sort of like, like, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like to, just in terms of the anecdotes y'all have. So it's, I don't want Kate to be unlucky, but then the fact that you guessed wrong, you know, kind of. Yeah, that, oh, that was unlucky of you. I will say the entire reason I picked Renata is because I feel like Renata has had more health issues since moving to Massachusetts, just oh, yeah. with like the amount of like, because like, clearly you're allergic to something in Massachusetts and we don't know what because <laughs> you like have colds all the time. I do have allergies that have been addressed and now I'm better, but, but yeah, I mean, I did like anyway. And I mean, part of it too is cause you interact with the public and yeah. I now don't even leave my house anymore. Yeah. I was thinking particularly health reasons. Let's go on to the next card. I was like, yeah, we not also did get that spider bite. <laughs> I did get that spider bite. Yeah. So, so maybe perhaps you are better for the Spider-Man analogy. Yeah, the spider bite is not a secret. We definitely have talked about that. Okay, the I thought so, but I couldn't remember. It's uh, okay. Well, now, now here's a card for Carrie. Carrie's card is Eric is not valedictorian with a picture of Eric. <laughs> Challenge card. Eric, Poor Eric is always. Eric is always stylish. Which player can keep up with him? All players secretly vote which player spends the most time getting dressed. If you voted the majority, you win the challenge. Yep. Unanimous <laughs> for Kate. <laughs> Carrie gets a point. <laughs> I mean, Kate, this again, this is like your 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 fashion. Um, I mean, I'm definitely taking the least time getting dressed, especially because I never leave the house. But yeah, I mean, Kate's fashion is pretty iconic. Yeah, yes, I mean, I will absolutely. say I take a very short amount of time getting dressed. I do put a lot of thought into what I wear, which is how I kind of interpreted that. Yeah, same. Okay, so I think maybe we'll do like nine cards, maybe like three for each of us and just see who has okay. the most points at the end. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so the next, this is my card. It's titled, It's Getting Worse, and it has a picture of Carlisle and Jasper looking serious. Carlisle is worried about the news out of Seattle. Which of you would be up to speed on current events? All players secretly vote for the player who is always current with the news. This should be unanimous. Yep. yep. Unanimous. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> it's my brand. I, I try yep. not to be. All right. So now we'll come back to Kate. Kate's card is a photo of Edward and it says, stay in the car. Edward is great behind the wheel. Which of you could drive as well? All players secretly vote for the player who is the best driver or would be the best driver because this is for children. Uh, <laughs> uh, that or would be the best driver is on the card because this is for children is not on the card. <laughs> All right. Yep. Unanimous for Kate. And that's point or for Kate. Or it looks like. Okay. You know- <laughs> I was, I'm trying to uphold the secrecy and not look at the chat one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's a card for Carrie is entitled, how many times will we graduate with a photo of Jasper looking sad, which I get. Graduating high school is a major accomplishment, but who's the smartest? Oh, oh, 
Oh, hang on. This isn't which of us is the smartest. Which I was like, this is a mean card. It's all players secretly vote which of these characters is the smartest. Oh, okay. Edward, Jacob, Alice, or Jasper. If you voted in the majority, you complete the challenge. All right, unanimously for Alice. So that's a point for Carrie. Also the most stylish. Also the most stylish. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, my, come back to me. My card is entitled Riley the Human with a picture of Riley. At first, Riley is afraid of being hurt. Which of you is weakened by the thought of blood? Each player secretly votes for the player who is most afraid of blood. If you voted in the majority, you complete the challenge. Yeah, unanimous for me. <laughs> I'm I'm notably squeamish. I'm actually okay in like an actual emergency situation, but I don't love blood because I'm not a vampire. <laughs> All right, so that's the point for me being a coward. Uh, <laughs> now, now it's back to Kate. Uh, this card is entitled "The Graduation Speech." Jessica gives a great graduation speech. Who among you could match her oratory skills? All players secretly vote for the player who is the best speaker. If you voted in the majority, everyone enjoys Jessica's speech and you complete the challenge. (laughs) Hmm. Well, that is not unanimous. Carrie and I both said me and Kate said herself. So (laughs) I think Kate would also be very good, but Renata is an award-winning moth storyteller so that was what yeah i, was I guess with. it depends like to on like speech like i think kate is probably better at like giving a presentation that's but true terms, but in terms of like speaking like i don't know like storytelling is a thing that i do yeah i guess i was thinking of it more in like a public speaking and less of a storytelling because i would if i was thinking of it from storytelling i would say you because you yeah. have won awards but i guess i'm thinking in my job i do a lot of public event facilitation yeah and well and you know we both are podcasters that's so true no awards for podcasting but uh you don't want a point for that because nope. of the game all right so now it is carrie's card this is as we're standing right now i have three points kate has one point carrie has two points so if she gets this one then it'll be a tie between me and carrie okay this is a picture of uh renee lounging and it says the right choices for you renee left forks because she rushed into a marriage who among you would avoid that mistake All players secretly vote for the player least likely to rush into marriage. (laughs) If you voted in the majority, you complete the challenge. Yeah. (laughs) We all picked me. Um, (laughs) None of us are married, but I'm the oldest, so that was my my reasoning. All right. I have no tiebreaker prepared, so I'm just going to say that we are all the winner because we've all grown in friendship. It's true. This was great. And I, th- I think you were both great at everything, so it was kind of a hard game. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> See, and now imagine playing this with someone you don't know that well. You're like, I don't know, girl. Are you afraid of blood? Let's find out. <laughs> uh- I kind of, my, my niece, who's 15, just got like really into Twilight and thinks she's the best of her friends because she has read the books and seen the movies and the posers have only watched the movies. But I wonder, I, I feel like she could play, she would enjoy playing this game and also probably start uh, horrible fights in her friend group. So <laughs> Honestly, like it's pretty fun. Like we also played the Vampire Diaries board game, which is bad and not fun. It's just a poorly designed game and it's not a good game. But this is like pretty fun, although also very weird. <laughs> yes. Quite strange. Which is just actually pretty on brand for Twilight. <laughs> True. It's like nothing else. Yes. So that was the Eclipse Friendship Challenge. Go us. 
right. We also have a couple of would you rathers. Uh, would you rather read a full length book from Brie Tanner's point of view or get another book from Edward's point of view? And I know that, of course, we all really want the book from Fred's point of view, but that's too easy. <laughs> that's not an option because that's the obvious choice that we all want. So just of these two, which would you rather have? Oh, God. I actively kind of want New Moon from Edward's point of view. That's like, I'm just, here's me just moping around Italy, like whatever. Like, I kind of want that. You know, I'm going to go with that too, because that at least would be different. I feel like if we did a full length book from Bree's point of view, it would feel very samey to other books, where at least this we'd be like, oh, like Edward's eating gelato. How exciting for him. Yeah. <laughs> I want Breaking Dawn from Edward's point of view just because it's such a wild ass book. Yeah, also good. All right. Rest in peace, Brie. Goodbye. <laughs> How about would you rather? I don't know if we explicitly mentioned that the way that Riley lured Brie in was that he offered her a hamburger, like when she was like baking or whatever. So would you rather eat a hamburger from Riley or eat at steaks and cakes? Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that only serves steaks and cakes, and not S-T-A-K-E-S and Cakes, which is in Sunnydale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would obviously much rather eat at Steaks and Cakes, Uh, you know, a steak, a cake, exactly what I want, a glass of water, a glass of tap water, (laughs) the perfect meal. Um, (laughs) Whereas, like, Riley seems pretty gross. I don't don't know that I'd want to take food from him. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, no contest. I actually have been at a party where there was a red velvet cake with a vampire steak on it. Um, so yes. I, I, I'm sure our friends at Steaks and Cakes could provide that if it's not against their um, Christian channel values or wherever it was that came from. <laughs> but then I'd have a regular cake, so be, I'd still win. Yeah, still win. Great. Good game. Um, now, of course, it's time for the Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Carrie can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Okay. Uh, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he'd be a vampire friend to the Cullens, helping them in their fight against Victoria. And he'd step in before the Voltori could kill Brie, and he'd save her because the Voltori would begrudgingly let him because they're all a tiny bit afraid of him. So he would go with Brie to find Fred, and he'd train them both to be like Cullen-esque vegetarian vampires, and then leave them on their own to leave their own nerdy vampire lives in peace. And there'd be a lot more Fred in the book. Mm, That's very good. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, I think he'd appear a little bit earlier. As we know, Wolverine loves a good cave. And so he would find Brie and Diego when they're in the cave earlier in the book. Um, He'll offer to take Brie to Xavier's school, where she can be friends with Vampire Jubilee and not have to fight the Cullens. Okay, well, I like the rock version because it has Fred, but the Wolverine version has Jubilee, and so that wins. Yeah. <laughs> all Fair. right. But of, but of course, like the Eclipse Friendship game, it is a game where we all win. And uh, what do we think the moral of the story is? I would say the moral of the story is that vampire love is instantaneous, even if you're not the protagonist. Mm. All cops slash Latori are bastards. Mine is reading is for Mary Sue's. 
True. All right. And uh, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions on the book. Yeah, Duarte, I know we all wish there was more Fred in this book, but there's just not. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I, you know, and I do think it's likely that maybe Fred uh, adopts a cat once he's on his own. I think that's, you know, probably a good idea. He sounds like a person who would like a cat. Yeah, that's classic Fred vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Total cat person vibes. All right. Well, Dorote, thanks for that. And, um, you know, thanks to Hadassah for chiming in earlier as well. We love a cat opinion around here. Uh, all right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? Seven years is a long time. Seven years is a long time. Stephanie Meyer should write a Fred book for us for next year, please. Yes. Yeah. I just, you know, something, um, I think if she's going to pick something to put out between now and next September, I would really prefer it to be something that's like 150 pages like this rather than 900 pages like Midnight Sun. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Five hours of audio. <laughs> it ate up so much of my life. But if she did want to write 900 pages of Fred, I would read it, though. It's true. <laughs> just Fred and his cat just, like, chilling with their repulsive vibes. <laughs> I love it. I You know that, I don't know even if it's a meme, but that drawing of, like, a really fluffy cat with a surprise and goofy look, and the caption is, like, an unusually repulsive cat is surprised by affection. Aww. Do you know that meme? Fred? Okay, I'll post it. That's the that's the cat that Fred has. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, I think he would definitely adopt a cat that he was sympathetic with, which would be a cat that scared other people. Yeah. Um, well, that's my Fred fan fiction. Love it. I mean, I kind of did my closing thoughts as opening thoughts, which are just like, again, thank you, Kate, for doing this podcast with me, and thanks also to Becca for all of her years doing the podcast with us. And Carrie, thank you for being our first guest. Like when we were like, hey, let's start a podcast, even though we don't know how to do a podcast. Uh, <laughs> Carrie will be on board with that, right? And you were. Well, and you know, I've dipped in and out of various podcasts over the years as a fan and listener and patron. And the fact that y'all have had one that I have stuck with for about seven years and just look forward to every time it updates, you know, that's Aww. that's a real treat, um, as well as getting to be better friends with y'all. Oh, thanks. Friendship is magic. It's great. Uh, yeah, and so sincere thank you to all of our listeners, and especially our Patreon patrons, but also all of the listeners. Yeah, you're <laughs> all great. We appreciate you. We're still shocked that anyone cares what we have to say. Uh, and we are delighted that people care what we have to say enough to stick around for this long. It's it's so nice. It's <laughs> nice, guys. All right. Well, if, if you want to come talk to us on social media and tell us your Fred fan fiction ideas or whatever, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller spelled normally. And we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because the S was killed by the Volturi. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that's best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the places that have podcasts. You know what they are. If you do subscribe to us, take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, then um, 
I don't know. I didn't think of a really good joke for this. We love you. We don't care if you rate and review because we love you so much. Thank you for listening for seven years. If you don't rate and review, you have to read Midnight Sun again. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our editing software and web hosting. And uh, in return, there's all sorts of perks for you, like postcards and stickers and a newsletter. Additionally, we have merch available. If you go to worstbestsellers.com, you can click on the merch tab and find all sorts of merchandise from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, we do have a Discord group that we would love for you to join to chat with us and all sorts of other fans from the show about everything from the latest episodes to what we're watching on television to what people are uh, baking lately. And you can find that by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the link there. Uh, if you want to just come find me and Duarte on social media, we are at Renata Snacks on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, I am at 14 across, mostly on Instagram, not so much on Twitter these days. I'm not really doing anything on the internet right now. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, if you want to find Carrie on the internet, you can listen to all our old Twilight episodes and some other ones. Carrie is our most frequent flyer guest. I haven't checked the numbers on that, but I feel in my heart that it's true. Yes. I want to get rid of those, those like five timers club bathrobes from Saturday Night Live. Is that a dated reference? <laughs> I yes, but also yes. Okay. <laughs> like yes, it's a data reference, but yes, you should have one. <laughs> but I don't think that Redbubble does that. But maybe we can get you like a card or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a, a punch card. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will be back as a podcast in two weeks with Michelle Remembers by Lawrence Pazder and Michelle Smith. Which I'm, and it's gonna be great. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to this at all, but it'll be fine. Enjoy this three hour <laughs> lecture on the Satanic Panic by me. Oh, nice. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, no, I think it'll be a good episode for the listeners. I just don't want to read it. But that's my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Delete, delete, delete.